In today's episode of the Perform Partners All Things Change podcast, Paul and I are joined by Vine Koscheck. He is the CEO of Innovation Squad, a founding member of the Big Betting Balagan podcast, and in our personal opinion, an influencer in the real money gaming sector. We speak with Vine about all things gaming, cryptocurrency, Vegas, and of course, change. And we're really looking forward to you listening to this one. So in today's podcast, we have Vine. Vine is the CEO of Innovation Squad, founding member of the Big Betting Balagan podcast and a real money gaming influencer and a close friend of the Perform Partners team. So hi, Vine. Great to have you on the podcast with us today. Hi, Chloe. Thanks very much. Great to be here. Wonderful stuff. So tell us a little bit about how you're spending your time at the moment, whether it's personal or work. What have you got going on? At the moment, I've actually taken a, a bit of a break from, from work, so to speak. I mean, outside of recording a couple of podcast episodes, I've um, kind of just stepped back because from a business perspective, I suppose my model hasn't changed since, since I founded Innovation Scott in 2014. Um, and uh, I've been working at home. So it's been no major change for me, really, other than uh, a lot less gaming shows to attend, which is a disappointment because I tend to enjoy them quite a bit. But um, other than that, yeah, just a couple of uh, doing a few things with the family, like, the you know, my, my daughter and son have both taken up clay pigeon shooting. So we're just getting into that and really enjoying that, yeah. Fantastic. And for the listeners, do you want to just uh, give our listeners a bit of an insight into what you do at an Squad. Sure, we're um yeah a bit of everything. <laughs> um, we get in we get heavily involved in both technology and security related projects. So that could be across multiple industries. I've worked heavily in education, obviously the gaming industry, and that's with both lottery, iGaming gaming, and sports betting as well as um, transport. So we've, we've done a couple of projects related to like the Manchester Clean Air Zone, Dartford Tunnel, a few things like that. So we, we get involved and, and basically provide advice and guidance on uh, a third set of eyes and, and, and some assistance on technology and security direction. And how have you seen the attitudes towards, I guess, technology and embracing new technology and security? How have you seen that change over the past 12 months, given that we've all kind of changed the ways of working and we're all operating in a different way now? Uh, yeah, at the start, there were a couple of hiccups with a few customers. Um, people that had worked from home on laptops for the first time hadn't done some typical Secure, taken some typical security steps that they probably should have and were probably, as a result, less secure and potentially exposed their, their, their own organization to additional security risks. But uh, other than that, I think, other than that and the enormous upscale in, in infrastructure to, to accommodate all these people working from home, um, it's, it's been fairly smooth, to be fair. A lot smoother than I thought it would be. <laughs> At the start of all this, when I knew everyone was going to be working from home, I, I, I uh, uh, incorrectly predicted total disaster. <laughs> and it, it wasn't quite as bad as I expected. <laughs> well, I think we've uh, certainly adapted to working from home quite 
quite effectively, I would say, here at Perform Partners, haven't we, Paul? We have. Um, yeah, it's almost like a water of a duck's back. We just, um, I think we're all getting quite comfortable to some degree. We do have that flexibility to go into an office, but um, which, which you are there now at the minute, Chloe, but um, I myself am quite comfortable working from home because uh, I only literally have two steps to get to the office, so it's great. But yeah, I'm, uh, I, I think the hybrid future is one that probably would have come along in ten, within 10 years, but it's just been accelerated. Yeah, absolutely. We've kind of been forced to make a change sooner than uh, sooner than we would have in that kind of space. So back to on the topic of home and working from home. So obviously we've spent an awful lot of time in our houses over the past 12 months. Have you picked up any new hobbies recently or rediscovered any old hobbies? Not really. I've done a lot of catching up, to be honest. So because I've been working pretty solidly, I think I've had two holidays since 2014. So as a result, I've put a lot off. So yeah, I guess you could, if you want to call DIY a hobby, then yeah, I've picked up a bit more on that <laughs> since I've taken some, some time off. But um, other than that, uh, not really, just playing catch up. <laughs> and you mentioned clay pigeon shooting as well with your two kids. Is that something that you do as well? Or is it something that you, your kids are more, more interested in? Yeah, I've been shooting all my life. Um, I'm originally from Zimbabwe, so it's just a, a way you grow up, really. And yeah, so my, as a result of me going out clay pigeon shooting, my kids were really keen to come and see what it was like. I'll have to invest in probably a smaller shotgun because mine is a little bit, a little bit heavy and probably maybe a little bit too powerful for my daughter because after about six shots, she said, I've got a headache, I've got to stop. Oh, no. <laughs> but, um, yeah, but we'll get that sorted and, and then she'll, she, yeah. But it, it's, it's just loads of fun and, and great fun for the family as well, obviously taking taking steps to make sure safety is first. But yeah, no, it's, it's really good. Going back to um, DIY, is that, is that just an excuse to get power tools? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I use it for. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's, yeah, no. Oh, I need a new drill desperately. Why? Well, I've got this one hole. Well, what's wrong with the old drill? Well, the new one will work better. <laughs> I know that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. I think, um, Paul, you, when we were, were talking about what hobbies we picked up over lockdown and you mentioned gardening, but actually you've kind of just been demolishing things in the garden haven't you it's not really gardening <laughs> more no, DIY I've got a chainsaw I've got these everything's petal powered I've got <laughs> extendable pull heads covers everything I don't need these things but they're good to play with the obligatory 14 pound hammer <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah I've even got an axe I don't even know what to do with it but I've got one. amazing yeah. I love that <laughs> but uh, given this podcast about change, what change have you faced in your business, especially obviously with the obvious thing that's happened in the last 12 months? But is there anything significant that you've seen from a change perspective? If I may generalize, other than obviously multiple screens and multiple video conferences, just like this one, instead of having one with a room full of people, which is what would have been usually the case, you got multiple. Uh, I don't know, you have 12, 20 people in a, in, a, in a video, in a Zoom video conference. And then you've got people having internet connectivity issues as a result of the increased number. So that's been a, a bit of a challenge. It's not a major a major thing. But when I say why that's actually affected change is, is 
I found that my customers from a change perspective that have had a, a drop in creativity more so than productivity. So while productivity may have increased creativity, so maybe those conversations at the water cooler or whatever it may be are now were lost during that period. And as a result, it's uh, an upscaling of what was already there rather than new products hitting the market and being released. So from a change perspective, I think that's been the most significant um, drop is an expansion of what's there rather than an introduction of new products and services. That's really interesting that you mentioned that. What do you think the solution is? Or what what kind of ideas, kind of asking you to be creative now on a Zoom call? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, no, honestly, I've thought about this a bit. and, And I think getting back into the office, even if it is three days a week or something like that, I think, you know, human beings naturally require human interaction. And as a result of that human interaction, that increases product. I mean, not only productivity to some extent, but creativity more so. So if you're sitting across the desk from somebody and you say you come up with an idea and you're like, well, what do you think of this to somebody sitting down the desk or around the corner, whatever the case may be, but in the vicinity, it's a lot easier than, right, okay, I've got an idea. I'd just like to bounce off somebody. You don't want to start a whole email thread and then schedule Zoom calls and all the things that follow that from a two-minute idea where somebody may turn around and say, well, actually, no, it's a terrible idea. <laughs> let's, yeah. let's, let's find something or let's explore that and develop it a bit further, you know, I think. And, and, and that's what the greatest loss is. So I think getting back into the office or reintroducing the human connection as, as much as possible, you know, um, are still in favour of, of the work from home, but it, you, I don't think you could ever completely replace the, the office interaction. I, 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 it's interesting. It's an interesting viewpoint. It's not one I've heard, but I, I can absolutely see your point there. I think I think there are things that we've adopted in terms of the, I, I've discovered interactive whiteboards and the ability to hook that into a uh, an iPad pencil and draw in real time. I think things like that are have made a huge difference, and and they weren't available probably two three uh, two three years ago, but. It, made a massive difference in terms of some of the creativity we had to come up with in terms of what we're doing but I, I think I, I sing I sing the interactive whiteboard praises probably once a day on different calls <laughs> um, oh it's what, great it, it is brilliant yeah <laughs> yeah it is but and and also having things things like video calls all the time we use um we use uh, instant video calling via things like slack or teams whichever but um being able to do that i think really helps rather than just email hiding behind emails absolutely yeah Yeah, i was about to say it's those kind of impromptu conversations that you would naturally have in an office that i absolutely miss because i know that if i was sat next to aida who looks after our marketing here at perform partners we'd probably be having the most creative conversations yeah you know throughout exactly. the day but we have to schedule those calls in now because we're so remote so I know personally kind of the opposite end of the scale to Paul who could work from home quite happily I quite like to be in the office environment and have the commute and it, even things like grabbing a coffee on my mm. way into work makes me feel like I set my day up if yeah. that makes sense rather than having this uh, very short commute 
from from one room to the next but <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean let's talk about Zoom a little bit more just because I'm curious uh, to get your take on it so obviously we're all on LinkedIn and we've probably read the masses of articles about Zoom fatigue or video conference fatigue um just a question for you Vine do you look at the camera or do you look at the person you're talking to because I've seen that this is a great uh, debate and great conversation all over LinkedIn some people look directly at the camera and some people yeah. look at the person yeah I tend to look at the person um yeah you know, it's, it's a natural thing and that's never changed. Um, it's also obviously very difficult to tell on the camera, the person that's speaking can't tell that I'm actually looking at them. So when they introduce the camera and integrate it into the screen so you can actually see who you're looking at, that would be great. <laughs> yeah. But um, but yeah, it's, it's, yeah, always, always the person. So Vine, we are building a, a Perform Partners Change playlist. So lovely songs that have been picked by our guests and our team, uh, all songs that best represent change to the individuals that we talk to and come across in our networks and within our organisation. So tell us, what song have you picked that best represents change to you and why? A bit of an old one, really, but it's it's always triggered change, and I think it's actually perfectly apt for, for change, and that is uh, Bob Dylan, The Times Are Changing. The reason being is, is it's got a line in there where it's basically sink or swim. <laughs> and the number of times that I've been involved in change where those that are resistant to change, that very line was used. You know, you've got to sink or swim. Uh, and you, now's the time that you make that choice. So I think that's why the song is extremely fitting. And if you go through the, the lyrics of the song, I think it's, it's perfect. That's amazing. I love the fact that you've pulled out a specific lyric as well that's so relatable to change. And I'm sure Paul's got a bunch to say on that as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Bob Dylan. You, you're probably about the right age group for that, that vibe. But... Easy tiger. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cheeky bugger. <laughs> I, I can say that because I'm older than you. But, uh... <laughs> that's true. Yeah. <laughs> So what's your take on it, Paul, then? So obviously at Perform Partners, we are the change experts. Everything yeah. we do is, you know, a change specialism. What do you think about that lyric about sink or swim? <laughs> Quite apt in lots of, in lots of cases. Um, yeah, I've heard it many times in the past as well, and it's, it's usually when it's that oh no moment in terms of um, if we don't do something or so, if something doesn't happen, then... It literally is that situation, sink or swim or get off. It's, it's, it's the same as you're either on the bus or you're, or, or you're not. Um, but, but the train or the bus is leaving the station and you've got to go with it or you don't. Um, exactly. So it's absolutely right. Yeah, it happens probably in most moments of most projects at some, at some point in them. It's the people that are resistant to it um, eventually have to either move along with it or step aside so to speak and just on that topic and this is a question to both of you really what why do you find that people are resistant to change i i think it's just a, a natural human reaction to be honest um people get set in their ways and set in habits and then and then you know when when you when you try and introduce change they're reluctant to do that because there's a whole lot of questions that kind of come back in on themselves Am I going to be able for this change? What benefit is it going to bring to me? Is it going to bring more work? Is it going to uh, uh, put my job at risk? You know, and the questions go on and on and on. 
So th that immediately sows a negative uh, vibe around around potential change. And, and, and I think it's just how that change is sold and then you follow through with whatever steps to deliver that change. And obviously you've got to bring everybody with you because if you don't, that's when you get the people that are so resistant to change that end up being the spanner in the work, so to speak. So yeah, I think it's a, it's a natural human reaction, but we need to train ourselves as people that change isn't a bad thing. It can be, but it's not always a bad thing. <laughs> uh, to add to that, I think it's the fear of the unknown. And, yeah. and that's natural in anyone in terms of, it's, it's, it's difficult to embrace something you don't know what, if you don't know what the future holds. Um, and yeah, the, the, the amount of fears around job security and all, all the rest that goes with it, and that's not just in work, it's changing. If you move house, you've still got a certain fear and reluctance around that. Uh, there's a balanced against fear, but um, yeah, I think it's the same. I, I would agree with what Brian said, which doesn't often happen, but I would agree. <laughs> <laughs> well, if there's one thing that we've achieved today, it's to get you to both agree on something. So <laughs> I feel like that's a definitely a gold star moment for me. Absolutely. Um, but no, I absolutely agree with what you both said. And there's a, a saying that I personally love, and it's uh, you need to get uncomfortable uh, with being uncomfortable. So it kind of links back to that. You either get on the train, don't you? Or you get left behind, really. Train, exactly. bus. It was bus, wasn't it, Paul? Sorry. <laughs> it, could be either. it depends on it depends on your preferred mode of transport, but yeah. <laughs> Well, I would like I would like to get on a plane right now if I'm being completely yeah. honest, but I don't think that is uh is gonna be is gonna be happening for a while. Yeah, there's a couple Which of risks change. associated with that right now, isn't there? Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness, yeah, absolutely. So it's really great to hear that Bob Dylan, The Times Are Changing, is the song that best represents change to you. Fine, what an excellent choice. And we'll be really happy to add that to the uh to the playlist. Brilliant, thank you. To the bone. If your time to you is worth saving, then you better start swimming or you'll sink like a stone. Or the times they are changing. We're really interested to learn uh, about what our guests uh, have listened to or read that's helped them through change. So, any, Brian, anything recent that you think could come to mind in, in your case in terms of what you might have read, what you've listened to in terms of change? In terms of change, I suppose for me it's a change more than anything else. I'm currently reading, and we recently interviewed uh, Steve Schreier on on the on the betting and big betting Bellagan podcast, and I'm reading his book, um, The Sales Tribe, which it's not it's not necessarily a plug, but I think it's really really. It sounds like it's, no, no. It's it's honestly it's not. It's it's actually I'm I'm actually blown away because sales is one of the areas that I've tended to stay clear from. I was a pre-sales engineer for a number of years and um, really didn't like it because um, you have to, you have to be able to talk a hell of a lot and I'm generally a man of few words. <laughs> so um, sitting there and telling a customer that I would be able to do something where I had doubts that it would possibly be able to be delivered was just not, it's just not me. So I just, I struggled with it where the salesman will sit there and say, yeah, I promise you the earth, moon and stars. And, and if you get delivered the dirt on the ground, you're lucky. <laughs> so um, 
that was just never something that I could do. But I'm finding this practical advice from a business owner perspective. I think it's it's really really good. Um, other than that, uh, legal sports report. If you if you're looking at change specifically, the changes that are going on in the U.S. in the sports betting industry with the states introducing sports betting. Um, that's a significant change given the reveal since the reveal uh, repeal of PASPA. So um, that was, I think we're into the third year now since PASPA was repealed and states are starting to introduce sports betting uh, and, and vote on that. So there's significant change going on on there across the states, which I've been involved in in, in quite a few of them. Um, so from a change perspective, I think those, prob- those two are probably the, the most relevant. Interesting. I might, I, might, I might look at that book. Yeah, it's, it is. It's actually really just basic practical advice. And, and that's the reason I mentioned it. It's, it's blown me away because I'm thinking, yeah, okay, that just makes perfect sense. <laughs> no, excellent. What we'll do is we'll link that in the podcast description as well. So our listeners can go and have a little look at that book to themselves. Brilliant. Um, and of course, you know, there's also your podcast, Big Betting Balagan. So yeah, it's, uh, it's basically us three three co-hosts, uh, Lee Richardson, Dan Phillips, and myself. And basically, and we cover a, a whole array of things from sports betting regulation right the way through to cryptocurrencies being introduced into the industry. So casino coin is something I've mentioned on our podcast a number of times. It's something that I'm personally interested in and invested in. This is not invest- investment advice. <laughs> and that caveat quickly. <laughs> and uh, we, yeah, we cover, we, we bring guests on the show. Uh, we've done a lot of what we call talk from the top, where we interview CEOs from around the world, from very large organizations to smaller organizations, and we do panels. We've done a number of live uh, podcasts from the likes of SBC events, and we're hoping to do the next live panel the live podcast sorry broadcast from an event actually in person for a change so that'll be good <laughs> fantastic yeah. that sounds absolutely amazing a live event who'd have thought it eh <laughs> <laughs> that's it yeah and um, when will that be do you know Vine or is, there, uh, is it to be confirmed it's to be confirmed yeah so we're still we're still talking to a couple of partners about dates and times and things yeah Oh, wonderful. Well, best of luck for when that does come around. I'm sure you're super excited to get back into uh, hosting live events. Sounds uh, absolutely. <laughs> so it's been great to speak with you about change and to talk about what change means to you, what change you've seen in your own life personally and professionally throughout the, throughout the past 12 months. But tell us what's next for you, what's on the horizon for Vine and Innovation Squad? Uh, I'm really keen to explore fintech a bit more. Um, it's an industry that really excites me. Uh, not that gambling, gaming industry doesn't. I'm constantly looking at new things, new technologies and all that type of thing. I've been involved in crypto probably for the last five or six years, maybe a bit longer. Uh, not long after Bitcoin came out, it was one of those things. Yeah, should I throw 200 quid into it or not? <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> but, oh, no, I bet you're wishing that you did, aren't you? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, those are, those are one of the regrets. But no, it's, it's, it's actually just one of those industries I reckon it's going to, uh, with central banks now looking at bringing in um, central bank digital currencies, I feel that, that there's, there's a lot of, uh, there's a mass adoption of crypto going on at the moment. And I think it's, it's potentially like the dot-com boom 
where people get very interested. I think there'll be a number of, of cryptos that are left standing and anybody that's invested in the right cryptos at the end of that will do extremely well. Um, I think there will be a cryptos that will be left behind, just like some, exactly, almost a direct replica of the dot-com boom. This is like a separate conversation, but any tips on that would be useful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe we'll have a separate call. <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounds really exciting um, I think before we close off the podcast you and Paul go way back <laughs> have you got any funny stories you can tell us about Paul from your days in Vegas that are podcast appropriate for our listeners <laughs> oh, podcast if you if you hadn't added the podcast appropriate bit in, then, <laughs> <laughs> then I would have many but um yeah I suppose I suppose what one uh, not particularly funny story, but we used to spend a lot of our, also quite a bit of our time when we were working together on the William Hill US project. We used to we used to go out on a Sunday afternoon because we pretty much worked seven yeah. days a week. On a Sunday afternoon, we'd go and spend spend the afternoon out at the river. We hire, I mean, at the at the lake, we'd hire a speedboat. <laughs> I know where it's going, but go on. <laughs> Uh, so, no, no, I think I'll stop it short <laughs> and then we, we'd spend the afternoon and, and that was just great times. It was like we were, I think one of the best teams I've ever worked with yeah. was the Nevada team on the William Hill uh, US project. And yeah, no, good times, really yeah. good times. Actually, it's interesting that you're, you've just mentioned working, you know, in Vegas and Nevada um, with William Hill. How many years ago was that? nine years ago yeah nine years ago so I mean nine years ago in a an industry that's really kind of honed in on digital transformations there's been a lot of change in that sector how much change have you seen like how different is the landscape now versus nine years ago yeah William Hill specifically is enormous change obviously with the recent Caesars uh, acquisition and then potentially dividing off or carving off of the UK uh, proportion of, of William Hill um, massively. I don't think it, I could have at the time imagined the steps that were taken to 10 years later where we are today and the growth, obviously. I mean, it, I, I, I like to sometimes feel like I had some responsibility in the growth of the, of the William Hill US arm. So, yeah, that's always something you can look back with, I suppose. I mean, it's effectively, we set, the seed, we set the seed of that, of the, um, I would like to think, Brian, that we set the seed of uh, any UK company that operates in the US. We were, we were the first to do it. And yeah. We, uh, we were involved at the coalface setting that up. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's not a bad, not a bad country, given that literally every major player in the UK market is now hooked into the US market in terms of uh, the relationships and partnerships they've made with the major players in the US. So, um, and we were the first, first on the ground to do that. So, yeah, I'm quite proud of what we did there. Um, Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's really interesting. Great to get your insights on it. And I guess one final thing for me on that. So I've asked you what's next for you, Brian, and what's next for your business. But, you know, you are very close to the, the real money gaming sector or the gambling sector, whatever you want to call it. What do you think's next for that sector? Yeah, that's a good one. I think uh, <laughs> that something that marries two interests, and that's um, the, obviously the gambling industry, but I think a wider adoption of crypto. 
into the gaming industry. Once, uh, I mean, the casino coin, for for example, and I, and I mentioned this not to push it, but uh, they are licensed by the gambling authority in Isle of Man. So I think a number of cryptos that do that are looking to get into the space and for cryptocurrencies, obviously there's, there's, there's some websites out there that are just only crypto and they only do betting and gaming in crypto. But um, I think the two coming together will be enormous. Um, it's going to be a massive change from a regulatory perspective, from payments processing perspective. And I think uh, people will be surprised at how quickly and largely it will be adopted. But I, I think that's coming relatively soon. Outside of additional technological changes and improvements of products that are already there, you know, um, interactive gaming, that type of thing. I think, um, I think that's the next big one as far as I'm concerned. Awesome. I should put some money on that. Change coming, shouldn't I? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for, for being on the podcast with us, Brian. It's been really interesting. And obviously, from a personal perspective, it's obviously always good to catch up with you. Um, so how can people find and connect with you? Thanks, Paul. It's, and, and Chloe and, and Ada, it's been fantastic to be here. Um, I'm on LinkedIn and Twitter. Uh, I've deleted all other social media accounts. Yeah, so if you want to find me easily, my name's very easy to search, find Kozacek. I am the only one. So that <laughs> shouldn't be difficult to find. <laughs> Wonderful stuff. What we'll do is we'll link down in the description in the podcast to make sure that our listeners can connect with you if they want to. And we'll also link out to the Big Betting Balagan podcast as well so people can have a listen. Fantastic. Thank, thank you. you very much. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. It's been great to have you. Bye bye. You too. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. listening to this episode of the Form Partners All Things Change podcast. You can connect with us on LinkedIn just by searching for Form Partners or via Twitter or Instagram searching for the handle at Form Partners. You can also get in touch with the team using the email address marketing at form-partners.com. If you want to suggest any additional podcast guests or you'd like to feature them on the podcast, get in touch, we'd love to speak with you.